and we are back with episode six of Inside Illini Football. Pleased to be joined by beat writer Colin Likas here in a nice toasty studio here the Monday after the Super Bowl, February 8th. Snow on the ground here in Champaign, and I'm sports editor Matt Daniels. Sorry for that long-winded introduction, <laughs> Colin. Glad you're back. You saw plenty of snow last week. Yeah, I think there was more here, though. Um, yeah, I took a little break, thanks to you and Scott for carrying on the podcast without me, but uh, we have plenty to talk about in this week's edition. Um, scheduling news, first class of 2022 commit, the Super Bowl, obviously, there's some Illinois ties in there. And uh, we're going to break down another position group, all kinds of stuff today. And we're going to pick the best uniforms in the Big oh, yeah. Ten. So that's something to look forward to oh, at yeah. the end of the podcast. So that's a tease if we've ever had one. <laughs> uh, Colin, what do you think of the the big to-do on Friday about the Big Ten releasing <laughs> a revised schedule? And in terms of the Illini, it really didn't amount to much. I, I didn't know what to expect. I thought we were going to get some huge news. I guess the huge news was that uh, Northwestern and uh, esca- escaping my mind, uh, Northwestern and who were playing Purdue. in Wrigley Field? Purdue. Purdue. Okay. Yeah, it was escaping my mind who, who Northwestern was facing. I think that was the biggest news to come <laughs> out of the day, honestly, as far as a change goes, because Illinois' news was a status quo remains the same for the Ireland game, which is good news, obviously, but I think we were kind of expecting, you know, maybe it would be postponed or canceled, especially after Nebraska's athletic director on Wednesday said, we're going to be making a decision soon. Normally there'd be more tickets sold. People are worried about the virus. He definitely made it sound like it was doom and gloom, and then two days later the Big Ten said, no, you're still playing. Go to, go to Ireland. It's fine. Uh, obviously, you know, there's a lot of time. Uh, before that August 28th kickoff, so things could change, certainly. I mean, things change days before events, let alone months. But, uh, yeah, good news for Illinois because I know there's there's definitely players and coaches over there who are excited to, to experience that game. All right, I'm going to be the Debbie Downer on this Go podcast early on. Uh, there's no way in heck that <laughs> game happens in Dublin in six and a half months. Uh, Illinois has got a – it's a home game for the Illini, so mm-hmm. I think you're going to see Nebraska and Champaign in 2021 instead of the two – facing off in week zero uh, over in Dublin. Mm-hmm. I just, again, we talked about this Friday night on, on Sports Talk on DWS for a little bit, and Bob Osmussen made a good point, and I haven't looked into travel into Ireland recently because yeah. that really hasn't been on the forefront <laughs> of my mind during the pandemic, but I don't even know if they're letting people into oh. the, as far as restrictions go, I right. don't know all the specifics on that, and I just can't foresee such a, a really cool idea that is based on people going there and mm-hmm. attending the game at Aviva Stadium. I just don't anticipate that's going to happen given the world that we're living in right it, now. Uh, hopefully, yeah. again, I I say that being a Debbie Downer, but I hope <laughs> against hope that the game happens because if it does, that means there's been so much progress made right. with the pandemic, with the vaccines, everything like that, that that's a good sign. But I just don't see the... I would be stunned if that game happens. As we sit here right now on the second Monday in February, if that game happens as scheduled in Dublin. Yeah, I don't think it's being downer as much as it's being realistic just based on how the sports landscape has played out during COVID. I mean, certainly overseas, you're seeing in in certain places where they uh, handled the virus a little differently, uh, a little better, uh, you're seeing a return to activity. You're seeing large groups of people, but those are in places where people or they kind of they didn't eradicate the virus it's not gone but they certainly did a better job controlling it and i mean the u.s obviously has is currently in the midst of a climb so yeah it's uh it's certainly curious i mean you know it's it gives people hope 
uh, to say, you know, we're going to try and play the game. But yeah, I think there are still strides to be made. I mean, if, if they're playing in Memorial Stadium, you know, Illinois is still going to have kind of an early spotlight because it's technically a week zero game. There's no other Big Ten teams that are going to be playing that week. So Illinois is going to get a spotlight either way, which I think is good uh, for a recruiting front, for Brett Bielema to make his debut front, things like that. Well, it's going to be interesting, too, if that game is played stateside and in Champaign, mm-hmm. what that does to the schedule. Mm-hmm. You've seen in the past Big Ten teams open up uh, their first opponent against uh, a Big Ten foe, and, and that really kind of thrust the national spotlight on them. I remember back in last summer when the Big Ten went through its second version of a schedule, and <laughs> Illinois was supposed to host Ohio State on that Thursday sure. night in Champaign, and uh, obviously that didn't come to fruition at all. And you've been hearing rumblings too that if the game is played in Champaign, that is bumped back later in the season, making it more of a traditional sure. uh, conference game at all. But I'm okay with them opening up, if, yeah. even if the game's not in Dublin. I'm okay with them opening up that that weekend. Uh, I think it's a great chance to to shine the spotlight on mm-hmm. uh, on the Big Ten, on Illinois, new coach and Brett Bielema, mm-hmm. and then obviously the great tradition that Nebraska has, uh, their fan base and, and their following. And uh, even if that game does happen <clears throat> in the U.S., I think it'd be smart on all parties if that does if they keep the same august 28th schedule now maybe brett bielema doesn't want to open up against a big 10 team maybe he wants to take the following week against texas san antonio on september 4th and treat that as its opener if the game is not being played in dublin there's gonna be a lot of dialogue about that with him and josh whitman and and key decision makers in that whole process but I, i'm a, i'm okay with that game mm-hmm. if it does happen in in late august and really kind of hones the spotlight in on on illinois nebraska yeah i agree uh two more talking points to that uh one nebraska does have a game scheduled in the spot they were supposed to face illinois on a, on a regular schedule they're to, they're going to face southeast louisiana i believe so they don't want that game to be moved back to when it originally was they'll have to cancel a contract otherwise that's a whole to do that i'm sure they don't want to go through and two uh the, the the part about brett bielema maybe not wanting to open against a big 10 team he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who would be worried about that i feel like he would take on that challenge and admittedly uh no offense nebraska things haven't been going very good over there lately so it's not like uh, we're opening against uh ohio state here we're talking about nebraska right yeah, now so no, exactly that's a, that's a good point and brett bielema and his staff were uh they've been busy on adding players uh, ever since they arrived in champaign whether that's through a traditional uh, high school recruiting or mm-hmm. the, the transfer portal at all and uh, obviously they had they signed two high school players last Wednesday and Josh McCray and, and Dwayne Johnson. Mm-hmm. And then Rock on Friday picked up uh, maybe the rock of the 22 recruiting yeah. class and, and Josh Okla, uh, a big offensive lineman. He certainly built like a rock. <laughs> <laughs> a big offensive lineman out of Wisconsin. And he kind of becomes the, the anchor point right now uh, for Illinois when it comes to the, the 22 recruiting class. So what do you what's your overall mm-hmm. overall impression so far of, of Brett Bielema, mainly just on the, on the high school recruiting front. Sure. I know we've hit on before just what he's done in the transfer portal, and mm-hmm. I think that's going to be be big for Illinois to kind of fill in holes and, and plug uh, players in when need be. But mm-hmm. the bread and butter to me of building a consistent program is doing so through the high school ranks. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the transfer portal, I mean, it's one area where Illinois football has kind of seen some success, some success, easy for me to say, in the last few years, even under Lovey Smith, you know, as much as his recruiting in hindsight gets lambasted, he did have success in the recruiting portal, and Brett Bielema is just 
adding on to that, uh, getting getting guys from places like Alabama and Notre Dame and the like. But yeah, the high school front, obviously, things are just going tremendously, I think, so far better than maybe at any point in, in Lovey Smith's tenure. Uh, that might be a stretch to say so early on, but that's what it feels like at least. Um, just making contact with, with all the, the in-state coaches early on was huge. Uh, the fact that we're now going to have a football season, a condensed one, mm-hmm. is also important on that front. And I, I know when I was gone for the almost week that I was gone, every time I hopped on Twitter, somebody else had an offer, whether it was an in-state kid or somebody from out of state. He, he, Brett Bielema and his staff were offering scholarships left and right last week. And they were doing plenty of that before I left as well. But, I mean, they really seem to ramp up the efforts this week. Now that that staff is finalized, you got uh, George McDonald and uh, Kevin Kane to round out that staff. Uh, now Brett Bielema can divvy out uh, recruiting roles, recruiting regions, and obviously you're seeing the fruits of that of that effort because there's just offers going out everywhere. Uh, on the topic of Josh Oakla, I got to talk with him. I think it's great to start a recruiting class, the class of 2022 in this case, with an offensive lineman. Uh, no offense to other position groups, but offensive linemen, they're very heady. They're known <laughs> to be guys who, who are just – I mean, he, Josh Oakla literally in his Twitter bio has his GPA listed. I mean, you're not going to see that in every every kid's Twitter profile, every football recruit's Twitter profile. Um, I think it's good to start with with a kid like Josh Oakley. I got to speak with him. He's well-spoken. Mm-hmm. He's clearly uh, uh, very uh, passionate about football. He's passionate mm-hmm. about coming to Illinois, even though he grew up a Wisconsin fan. He grew up about an hour outside of Wisconsin to the east, I believe. Outside of Madison. Yeah, in uh, Heartland, uh, Heartland, Wisconsin. Okay. So I, I think that's a great starting point uh, for for Bielema's class of 2022, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see uh, another name added uh, sometime soon. I don't know who it would be, of mm-hmm. course, but uh, I just think the momentum right now is really rolling in a positive direction. Yeah, and everyone, I think, wants to see the, the five-star talents and, and the four-star talents, the skill positions, and ultimately wind up at Illinois. And that has happened in the past. It really has been Martez Wilson or, or names that kind of come mm-hmm. to mind in, in terms of five-star prospects and, and highly coveted recruits. But it's good in the sense where you can start building a, a class kind of around an identity, and I think that's the, the key mm-hmm. word that's been lacking with Illinois football yep. for the better part of a decade is they don't really have an identity. And I think with Brett Bielema, and he admitted it too last week and uh, talking on Wednesday, that mm-hmm. he's still kind of in the honeymoon phase. Yeah. Uh, and that's to be expected. They haven't played a game yet. <laughs> they haven't right. had to face any adversity on the field. They haven't had to you know, go through a loss or anything like that. So everything's gravy in, in that regard. But to build a, a class, a, a successful class that can be kind of a foundational piece for, for Bielema and his tenure at Illinois. Starting out with an offensive lineman from Wisconsin, I think there are worse ways you could start out a, a recruiting like class. Going into a rival's home state <laughs> exactly. and taking an old lineman, that's huge. Yeah, and, and everyone uh, you know kind of that follows Big Ten football knows the tradition of success that Wisconsin offensive linemen mm-hmm. have had, namely playing for the Badgers, so to... To go into a state that really hasn't been fertile recruiting ground for Illinois and in the past at all, I, I think is a good sign. And the key, though, with recruiting is to just you—you you have to land that highly touted, highly coveted prospect sure. at, at a skill position at all. And Lovey Smith did that in flashes at times, notably Isaiah Williams, the quarterback out of St. Louis, and, and the verdict's still out on him whether he kind of becomes the guy mm-hmm. at quarterback for for Illinois. But I. Uh, like I said earlier, I don't think you can go wrong uh, getting an a offensive lineman from a really good program in, in mm-hmm. Wisconsin and, and have him come down to Champaign. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, uh, last thing on that front, on the Isaiah Williams front, 
the guy who was key in recruiting him is still here, mm-hmm. Corey Patterson. Yeah. So, I mean, that's inter- an interesting little side note as well. Well, there was a big football game on Sunday night, Colin. Uh, I think the Super the Bowl. The Bowl? Yeah, that's good. I did actually did not watch uh, I didn't a second either. of that. I didn't either. <laughs> um, Super Bowl 55, the game was not great. No. It was a rout. It was bad. Tom, <laughs> Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. It was bad football, and the referees made it all about them in the first <laughs> half. It was not, not enjoyable. Uh, commercials were so-so, I guess you could I say. I barely paid attention. I didn't watch the halftime show. No offense to the weekend. I just yeah, didn't care. I didn't, I didn't really watch it either. It was, it was interesting. I had it on, but I really wasn't focused in on, mm-hmm. on that. I was mainly trying to keep my kids from fighting <laughs> with each other. Um, but El- Illinois Connections... Uh, first on the the winning Tampa Bay Buccaneers side, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, rookie yeah. running back with the Buccaneers. There you go. Uh, highly speaking of highly coveted recruits, mm-hmm. he was one when Tim Beckman signed him in the class of 2015 and started as a freshman, and yep. then kind of his playing out. time fizzled out under Levy yeah. Smith and ended up transferring to Vanderbilt and turns himself into a third round NFL draft pick and yeah. wins a Super Bowl ring his rookie year. Good so. for him. Illinois, yeah. Illinois is a Recent history of guys, uh, whether they come directly from Illinois or else, or transfer, mm-hmm. uh, the, who quickly leave the college ranks and, and go, go win a Super Bowl right away. Yeah, and then uh, Preston <laughs> Pearson, a former offensive lineman at Illinois in the early 2000s, he's uh, got a staff position with uh, the Buccaneers, which I did, didn't even realize. No, I was surprised by the email last night as well. Uh, with his director of player engagement mm-hmm. for the Buccaneers, so... Uh, Interesting it, job title, but it I'm takes sure. a village. Everybody, there important. you go. And yeah. then uh, another local connection with the Buccaneers, and he was on Saturday, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Steve Kelly and Lauren Tate on DWS. Was Mike Beal, mm-hmm. uh, Paxton native, who's the director of college scouting for the Bucks, uh, a key part of their front office there. So uh, kudos to all those. Then obviously a former Illini, Nick Allegretti, starting left guard for the Kansas City Chiefs, and. Uh, Chiefs struggled last night, especially offensively. Yeah, I think uh, I think Nick Delagretti had a fine game. I wasn't seeing him get beat too much. Mm-hmm. The offensive line was not holding up very well f- as a whole for mm-hmm. Kansas City, though. Nick Delagretti's airtime was pretty much limited to picking people up off the ground after they got uh, tackled behind the line of scrimmage, which certainly isn't what you want to see as an offensive lineman. But uh, it was interesting. I was talking with a friend last night, noting how, and I guess uh, I, I guess uh, uh, Duke Preston kind of adds to this because he's a former offensive lineman. Illinois' recent history history in Super Bowls is kind of just dotted with offensive linemen because you're also talking about Ted Karras with the the New England Patriots as well in, in recent years. Kind of an interesting little fact. Maybe we'll have some uh, skill. We were talking about skill position players earlier. Maybe we'll have some skill position former Illini competing for Super Bowl glory sometime mm-hmm. soon. Duke Preston. I think I said Preston Pearson earlier, so my apologies on that. Duke Preston, the former uh, Illini offensive lineman who's a, a key part of the Bucks Bucks mm-hmm. staff. Uh, moving on from the Super Bowl that really wasn't all that great, <laughs> Jake Hansen yeah. got an NFL Combine invite for uh, in a year that the NFL Combine is going to look nothing like we know. No, and uh, he follows Kendrick Green in that regard, so good for uh, good good for Jake. I'm not surprised by that. I'm not surprised that either Kendrick Green or Jake Hansen got an NFL Combine invite. But yeah, they're doing it all. I got I got to do some more research. They're doing it all virtually, uh, really. I know they're not going to be kind of doing it all together in Indianapolis this year. So, uh, yeah, like you said, not going to look anything like it has in the past, but Jake Hansen, Kendrick Green, trying to kickstart their uh, professional careers in a big way, and hopefully things go well for them. I think they both have uh, what it takes to make an impact at the NFL level, so uh, hopefully things go well with this virtual combine. 
Yeah, exactly. And uh, Hanson, obviously, the leading tackler, uh, each or leading tackler last season, uh, was on his way to possibly unseating Dele Harding in that category mm-hmm. in 2019. But obviously, staked out his claim as a, a guy that was key in, in forcing fumbles uh, during his Illini tenure and dealt with some injuries too. Uh, missed his entire season with a torn ACL and then a back injury that limited him in, in 2019. But just a consistent, steady presence uh, for the Illini defense uh, each of the last few seasons. So mm-hmm. best of luck to him uh, moving forward as he chases his NFL dreams. Um, each week here, we so far we've done a position breakdown. Last week, Scott Ritchie and I uh, dived into the offensive line. So uh, switching sides to the ball now, mm-hmm. we're going to do a deep dive on the defensive line, Colin. And obviously got some good news for the Illini uh, last month when Owen Carney Jr. announced he was... Leaving the transfer portal after <laughs> initially saying he was going to be in the transfer portal. He was and, there for 18 uh, days, I believe. There you go. Uh, Brett Bielema and Corey Patterson played a key part in him returning mm-hmm. to the Illini. Who else uh, will be back with Carney next year to uh, get after the quarterback? Yeah, it's a loaded group. I mean, we talk a lot about the offensive line being loaded, and I, I think it's more so loaded because there's more upperclassmen mm-hmm. in there. There's more guys just with tons of playing experience, 30, 40, getting into the 50-game range of playing experience. But you can't sleep on the defensive line either especially because Illinois has lost some key players at linebackers and defensive back which we'll get into in future episodes but um, uh, you got to start with Owen Carney Jr. I think all Big Ten second team consensus last year Uh, getting him back is obviously huge that was going to be a significant hole to fill Uh, That defensive line last year, uh, the defense as a whole, got banged up as the season went on. But the defensive line especially, uh, a lot of guys were getting banged up as the season went on. And so you got a lot of guys who wound up with playing experience. I mean, you got Owen Carney Jr., you got Roderick Perry coming back for a second year, which I think is great. He was just kind of steady as a rock. We didn't talk about him immensely, but I think that's because he was doing such a steady and good job. You didn't need to talk about him necessarily. And Owen Carney Jr. was kind of overshadowing him, so that, that also played into it. Those two are kind of the, the key guys, Isaiah Gay and Jamal Woods. Jamal Woods, you just like like the guy to stay healthy for his own sake, mm-hmm. uh, not even thinking about Illinois' success. It would just be nice for him to have a – it's kind of like Mike Epstein, mm-hmm. running back. You would just like for him to stay healthy. He just uh, It's been a bugaboo since his freshman year. His freshman year went great, and he's just been hurt ever since, basically, kind of like Mike Epstein in a way. Uh, so, yeah, Jamal Woods and Isaiah Gay – Along with Owen Carney Jr. and Roderick Perry, I think those four guys you can expect to see on the field regularly, barring injury. But there are so many guys that they have who are, as of right now, coming back Mm -hmm. who feasibly could get playing time, and you you wouldn't really bat an eye at it. Guys like Keith Randolph Jr., guys like Seth Coleman. Uh, Lovey Smith was very high on Seth Coleman Mm -hmm. uh, prior to Lovey's firing. We'll see how... Uh, Brett Bielema feels about Seth Coleman. Uh, Bryce Barnes, Gibson City product. I, I spoke with uh, Mike Allen a little bit after uh, after Brett Bielema was hired, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Mike was really happy with the hire, but he, he said his one concern was just about his former player. Mm-hmm. You know, he built such a, a good reper- uh, repertoire with uh, rapport. Rapport, thank you. <laughs> I was looking for a word. I couldn't Words find it. Words are hard sometimes. Yeah, man, uh, okay. but he built a good portfolio with, uh, with Lovey <laughs> Smith's staff, and he was just concerned that he might have to start over, which everybody kind of does once you get a new coaching staff, but I think Bryce, in his move from tight end to defensive line, has kind of shown enough that he could play. 
Um, the list goes on. Uh, Calvin Avery, Johnny Newton as well, Deion Pate, uh, kind of an un- unheralded senior, and Mark Mondeser, who is one of the few guys who we haven't really heard a decision about mm-hmm. whether or not he's going to be coming back uh, next year. So uh, he, he would add as well, though, uh, all of those guys have multiple games. It's not like they've just played some snaps. I mean, they, all of those guys have played games. I think they've all started or at least close to it. Maybe one or two guys on the list haven't started. But, yeah, it's, it, it's a really, really impressive group. I mean, it's a group Illinois can definitely build its defense around. And you got Sidarius McConnell coming in as, as, a, uh, as a recruit as well. Mm-hmm. He's already on campus, actually. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You you mentioned all those those returners returnees that they have on the defensive line. I think what is good for Illinois in the sense is that you know who they are. Mm-hmm. You, you've seen yep. them play. The flip side of that is you've seen them play and you've seen them struggle at yes. times. And I think if you're an Illinois fan, you've seen so many teams over the years. Their defensive line has just been a sieve for opposing run games, mm-hmm. and we saw that at times uh, last year. Mohamed Ibrahim from Minnesota ran rampant over <laughs> over the line. I mean, Penn State just did whatever they wanted <sighs> yep. to do uh, offensively in uh, a weird final game of the season. You saw Northwestern just have immense success uh, against Illinois, and, yep. and it is good in the sense that you have guys back like Carney and, and Rod Perry and Isaiah Gay, but what Brett Bielema and his staff need to tap into and defense, new defensive line coach Terrence Jamison will be tasked with this group is just getting that unit to play at a consistent level where they're sure. wreaking havoc on not only slowing down the run game, but also getting out for the quarterback too. Cause you think back to the start of last season, Graham Mertz threw one incompletion uh, in the, the season opener at Wisconsin, Aiden McConnell, a walk on uh, from the state played high school football at Stevenson high yeah. school, in Lincolnshire at Purdue, just, picked apart the Illini and yes it, it helps if you have an experienced secondary and, and linebackers to clean up any mistakes but the real the real push is at the defensive line and it's getting mm-hmm. yep. it's getting the defensive tackles to um, you know exert some some pressure and close the gaps and then it's on the ends to either contain on the outside or, or make a move on the inside and then be there to to make some sure tackles and that's just an area that the Illini have really struggled with consistently yep. so on paper it's good to have all those players back with that experience, but mm-hmm. then what you need from them is production, yes. and, and that's been lacking, and that was really lacking in the final season of Lovey Smith. And uh, you know, big question uh, with Brett Bielema is what type of scheme is is he going to run? And, and mm-hmm. Ryan Walters, with the new defensive coordinator at Illinois, they're going to go three four. They're going to go four three. How are they going to uh, just be more effective defensively than than what Illinois has been uh, in the past? And New scheme change, new coaching staff. Maybe that's the the difference in kind of lighting sure. lighting a fire under this group and, and getting them to kind of play up to some of the potential that they've shown oh, on I, a on a consistent basis. Right. I like the good cop bad cop routine we have here. <laughs> where we we kind of make this work. And I mean, you are longer on the beat than I am, so obviously you know more about the struggles that this team has. I mean, I, I've kind of watched the struggles. I watched from the, the copy desk when I first started working <laughs> here, and obviously covering high school sports. My main focus mm-hmm. isn't what's Illinois football doing, unless yeah. Bryce Barnes or Caleb Griffin or Julian Pearl, somebody mm-hmm. like that, goes over there. But yeah, it's uh, really to get back to the topic at hand here, the defensive line, you're, you're absolutely right. I think one thing that can be said, and you can say this about quite a few of the guys who are returning, that this position group isn't lacking confidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly guys like Owen Carney and Rod Perry, who have all Big Ten honors to their name, 
no reason to lack confidence, but it is a matter of turning in results, like you said. And yeah, we, we those first three games of the season last year, the ones that I didn't cover, when mm-hmm. basically any, any quarterback could basically just stand upright for basically yeah. the opposite of what Patrick Mahomes was able to do last <laughs> night, just stand still the entire game and not have to worry about getting hit. That's the stuff that you can't see anymore. I think that's the stuff that's, uh, I'm sure Lovey Smith found it unacceptable, but I'm pretty sure with the, the way Brett Bielema has talked, mm-hmm. if he sees his defensive line play like that, uh, and Terrence Jamison sees his defensive mm-hmm. line play like that, um, I, I don't think the guys who start the first game, if that's what happens again, <laughs> I don't think they're going to be starting very long. I'll just put it that way. Good point, Callan. Uh, moving on from the defensive line, getting to uh, obviously the most popular part of our podcast each <laughs> week, uh, the Big Ten draft element of this. And I like uh, that you guys did the uh, stadiums last week. Thank that you was for an listening, idea. Colin. Thank you for listening. That was an idea I had on my mind at one point. <laughs> you, um, get a, you haven't been to no, them, so you and but Scott you'll, have. you'll get to them. Yeah, you and Scott have, which makes you guys perfectly suited <laughs> to, to do that. Well, all of us have... Uh, have watched Big Ten football, and, and this uh, delves into our next draft topic, uh, Big Ten uniforms. And uh, we're obviously not the most fashion conscious here at the News Gazette nope. Sports Department at all. But uh, Lauren Tate's pretty flashy. He is. Yeah. I like some of the sweaters he has. He's got, a, <laughs> he's got a strong sweater game for sure. Bob's high-top shoes. I, I think those two lead the way. Sorry, Scott. Definitely. No, Scott's shoes. Scott has good shoes. Yeah, Scott's very proud of his shoe collection. His, I, th- his I think Air we Force just kind of dress just to make sure we have clothes on lower. I just want to make sure I'm wearing clothes yeah, that that's don't kind have of any, any kid food on it or anything <laughs> like that. That's, that's my main goal every day. Um all right, so, Kylan, we're going to pick our 10 best uniforms of Big Ten teams, so that's going to leave four teams out of the mix. Oof. So uh, apologies in advance, but um, we only picked 10 with our draft, and Kylan, I'll let you start off with yep. your, your number one pick for the best uniforms of Big Ten football teams. Well, I don't want to be fired upon on Twitter, <laughs> so we're going to start with Illinois. Oh, wow, the number one pick for the Minus, Illini? I, you know what? I, there, it's, not wow. just, it's not just the hometown thing. Orange, orange and blue are kind of my colors. I guess okay. I am a Bears fan, too, so it kind of makes sense. But I, I like orange and blue just in general, and just the, the schemes that they have, I, I think the different ways. I'm, I'm looking at pictures right now, the different ways you can use the orange, blue, and the white as well. Okay. I, I think... Uh, it, it can really pop. Uh, the the big block eye obviously is, uh, especially on a white backdrop. I think is a very iconic look. And I, I know some people are kind of on the fence about it. But the gray goose uniforms, I like the gray goose uniforms. No, I'm a fan of them oh, personally. Okay. I, I know not everybody is, but they're different. They're totally different than anything else Illinois has, and I think they look good. I, I personally do. I think they're clean. I think Illinois uniforms as a whole are clean, and I just think they they pop. I think the orange. It pops, and that's what you need. That's, that's, that's how you draw people's eye in. That's how you get people to pay attention uh, at first. And then you got to play well. That's how you get people <laughs> to pay attention after that. All right, Colin trying to generate some goodwill with his surprise pick of Illinois. Why uh, not? With the, the, best, uh, the best uniform in the Big Ten. I, I imagine they would find our way into the top ten. Uh, I wholeheartedly disagree with you on the gray ghost <laughs> uniform. I know a lot of people do. I think for a homecoming game to wear a color that is not your school color is mm-hmm. just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Oh, I'm not saying for a homecoming game necessarily. Well, I just the, like the uniforms in, in general. Fair enough. Go, fi- go wear them some other week. That's, that's fine. That's <laughs> when they wear them. And uh, I will say... The orange and blue look is a classic clean look. Um, I could stay away from some of the looks they've had in recent years mm-hmm. where they kind of look like Virginia or, sure. uh, or 
Syracuse or anything like that. And, sure. and some of their, well, they're always going to look like Syracuse. That's a bad comparison. But yeah. sometimes in the past they've worn white helmets, orange tops, and white pants, and they look like Virginia. And that's just. Yeah, that's a weird one. Yeah. And then what, sometimes yeah. when they go with the. Uh, Scott Ritchie and I used to do this in the press box before games with the different uniform combinations. They'd look like Auburn some weeks too, we thought, with the, the helmet, uniform, Ooh. jersey combination. So anyway. I was gonna. Ha- I figured Illinois was gonna be in the top ten. I'm completely shocked. They were the number one. <laughs> I, I lived. One I lived a shock. Overall <laughs> draft pick, but uh, I'm on the clock now. I'm gonna bring some sanity back to this discussion. Go for it. And uh, I'm gonna go with Ohio State with my number yeah. one pick. Sure. Uh, classic look there, scarlet and gray. Uh, again, we're not gonna dive too much into the alternate uniforms. I guess a lot of teams are just Illinois these days. Yeah, just Illinois. Uh, but Ohio State with the the Buckeye helmet sticker on there and uh, you know the classic clean look that they have with the the scarlet tops and, and the gray pants and then on the road too they keep it simple. Um, even when they do kind of switch up the look sometimes and go with the black, you know it's not all that great, but it's it's okay. So sure. my number one pick though, uh, Ohio State, just the tradition when you see that uniform, you know who you're watching and it's it's just a, a nice clean look. So yep. All right, Colin, you're back to surprise some more people with your sure. to pick, and uh, hopefully you're not saying someone that is just completely out of left field, I don't but th- I don't put anything past you. I don't think point. I am, because okay. we're sticking with the tradition side of things. Ohio State's biggest rival, question mark, depends on the year, I guess, Michigan. Yes. I'm going to go with Michigan. Okay. Um, I think the helmet is an Welcome iconic... Welcome back to reality. Look. Yeah, I think the helmet's an iconic look. I mean, when you stare down from that that helmet on the other end of the field, it's uh, it's a little intimidating, Not not just because, you know, it's a cool looking helmet there's history there like mm-hmm. you said it's, it's kind of a historical look uh, i think the blue and yellow good good contrast kind of like the blue and orange i think it just i think it just pops i like the word pop we're gonna use the word pop a lot <laughs> on this side of the on this side of the uh, fence today but yeah michigan i think iconic look big 10 classic mm-hmm. appearance so okay. that would be my number two pick welcome back colin thank I, you i appreciate the the reasonable insight there yep. so uh <laughs> with my second pick we uh, got I'm gonna go with Iowa. Okay, uh, I like that. I like the the Hawkeye logo yeah. on the helmet. Uh, I've always been a fan of black and gold too. I yep. just think it it looks it looks nice on on the uniform uh, combination there, and uh, you know with the road jerseys that they usually wear with the the white with the black lettering and then the the mm-hmm. gold pants. That's uh, just a, a nice clean look, and then at home too with the the black jerseys and the the same gold pants. They almost they do look like the Steelers in a little bit yeah. of a sense, and that's a classic NFL. NFL looks, some of the alternate uniforms they've worn over the years a little suspect, but that's why they're alternate that's uniforms. The alternate uniforms usually are a suspect, honestly. So I'm going to uh, go Iowa number two. So, okay. uh, Colin, yeah. you're, uh, your next pick is right now. Okay. Well, my next pick is not going to make Illinois fans happy. Um, Purdue. Okay. I thought you were going with Northwestern. I, I, I like uh, – I, I have a lot of Purdue friends. I'll just say that. A large portion of my friend base that I keep in touch with are Purdue graduates. So I see a lot of the Purdue colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the the golden black look. I, I think it looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you Normally it's the block P now, but, I mean, mm-hmm. if you put the, the, the train back on the side of the helmet, I, I like the train as mm-hmm. well as the logo. Uh, Purdue Pete might have the deadest eyes of any mascot <laughs> ever, but – um, besides him, I think everything else about Purdue's look with the black and gold, I think it just, it, it looks fantastic. Who wouldn't want to play in that? I mean, that's, and Drew Brees wanted to play in it so much that he made his way from San Diego to, to New Orleans after he got done at Purdue, just so he could keep playing in, in those colors. 
<laughs> I think he had other reasons, but that's a good point. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right. Uh, my third pick, uh, Brett Bielema used to really like these uniforms. Uh, I'm going to go with Wisconsin. Sure. Uh, sure. I just think the the W on the side of the helmet, that's easily identifiable. Oh, yeah. And uh, you think back to the, the really successful teams that Wisconsin's had pretty much our entire lifetimes because we've never really known Wisconsin football to be bad. Like Not a lot truly of, bad. Exactly. No. Uh, you just think of all the great running backs they've had from Brent Moss, Terrell Fletcher, Ron Dane, uh, Monte Ball, Melvin Gordon, all those guys. A huge consistent part of that is the uniform look. and yep. The red top with the white pants. Um, I actually let, prefer them on when they wear the white jerseys with the red pants. Okay. The white on white look, it's okay, but I think it kind of doesn't yeah. do all that for me. But I'm going mainly just on kind of the home look of, of the red tops and the the white pants and then that iconic Wisconsin helmet uh, right yep. there. Uh, I, I don't think you can can really go wrong uh, with Wisconsin's uniforms with that regard. So they're my third pick. So, okay. Colin, you're, you're back with your fourth pick. Yeah, and I, I've, I, I will say I've got all of the teams, all 14 teams' uniform schemes up on my computer <laughs> just so I could kind of like bounce between them, and then I X out the pages once we pick them. And I was ready to pick a certain team, and then I, I, I looked at another one, and I thought, you know what, there's nobody who really has green besides Michigan State. I think Michigan State's a good pick. I'm I'm looking at a lot of like lime green stuff right now, which I don't love as much. Mm-hmm. I, I prefer the more forest green and yes. white look. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why there's so much lime green on my screen right now. I don't really appreciate that as much. I think lime green in uniforms is, uh, um, but the forest green look, the Spartan on the on the helmet, the mm-hmm. forest green and white look. Nobody else in the Big Ten has that. It's not a lot of teams in college football in general mm-hmm. in major college football who have the green and white look you know exactly like wisconsin's helmet you mm-hmm. know exactly who you're playing against and who you're looking at when you watch michigan state play so I, i'm going to take their uniform next fair enough uh the the lime green look i know they had that when illinois beat them in 2019 yeah. they had the the green jerseys with the lime green numbers which was not that, a good look that at all. pops but in a bad, in a bad way, way. <laughs> I, I totally agree with uh you know that's a, just a classic combination there and uh, i'm gonna with my fourth pick I, and this is partly maybe an oversight on my part but i'm sure. kind of surprised they fell this rank this would be a a pick that's still sitting in the green green room kind of fuming about why they haven't been selected like yet that. And uh, I'm going to go with Penn State yeah, uh, with my sure. number four pick. Um, talk about iconic uniforms in college football. Yep. You have to put Penn State's right up there with yep. the, the white helmet, the blue home jersey, the white pants, and the no name uh, on the on the back of the jersey. And um, obviously that program has had its share of horrific incidences in the past and scandal-ridden yep. problems. But uh, still just looking aesthetically at, at what they have – uh, year in and year out, that's just a, a classic combo uh, right there. And even uh, even road uniforms, white on white, they're okay. Mm-hmm. I don't mind that necessarily, but uh, that's just a, a uniform that I don't ever anticipate seeing changed in our lifetimes and, yep. and beyond. So my number four pick, I'm going with Penn State. So you have one more pick, Collins. Here's the teams we have left. Uh, Here's the teams we have left on the board. We yep. have Indiana. Maryland, mm-hmm. Minnesota, mm-hmm. Nebraska, Northwestern, and Rutgers. There are good uniforms in there. There are good helmets in there. <laughs> if I was going solely off helmet, I would probably take Nebraska next. Okay. And you still might take Nebraska, and that's fine. I'm going to go out in left field again okay. because I'm clearly insane. <laughs> I bet this is the last team most would pick. I think I know where you're going. Maryland. I knew it, yep. Um, 
there's just so much you could do with just the colors that they have. You got the red and the yellow and the black and the white. There's just there's a lot you can do with it. It looks bizarre. Their their state crest is bizarre looking. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's lots of state crests that look bizarre. That's why their uniforms look the way they do because of the state crest. For those who don't know, um, I just think there's so much versatility that you can do with those those uniforms because I don't I don't even know like what their alternate uniforms are because they just have so many different looks that they've unveiled <laughs> over the years so yeah it's it's out there it's definitely out there but i'm gonna go with maryland for pick and right. for uniform if it was just helmet nebraska okay fair enough all right so we got five teams left sorry indiana you're not making the cut sorry northwestern and rutgers you're off the board well, I, I thought it might be between these two it comes down <laughs> for me for the final pick for minnesota and nebraska I'm getting rid of Nebraska, too, just because we went with Wisconsin look already. And, again, yep. Nebraska's uniform, when their traditional uniform, is is a good look. I feel they've gone too many alternate jerseys in sure. the past, and they've kind of veered from their identity as a whole. I, I don't really like the, the blacks that they were using. Yeah, they're not, I'm not they're really not a fan good. of those. And I remember one game I covered out in Lincoln. It was a night game, and they wore alternate uniforms at night, and it was basically impossible <laughs> to see the number. All <laughs> I remember is All I remember is Amir Abdullah might still be running for touchdowns well, against yeah. Illinois <laughs> from that game. But I'm going to go with Minnesota. I know they've kind of – gone off the beaten path at times before and I know PJ Fleck is maybe not your cup of tea for some people but <laughs> Bob Osmussen <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of warmed up on Fleck a, a little, little bit. bit but you know when they have the classic M block on on the helmet and I feel they've kind of cleaned up their look too in, in recent years I remember as a kid watching them they always kind of had that uh, kind of really bold yellow pant look and kind of the maroon jersey that really just didn't really look all that right together and and since then they've kind of gone in different directions and their helmet has kind of changed a few times in the past and i'll go with minnesota for my final pick uh between them and and nebraska but i went with the gopher so to recap colin with his top five (laughs) his number one pick was illinois Ed bond is not falling out of his chair upon hearing that which is good news uh number two if i can read my chicken scratch here you went with michigan yep uh number three you went with purdue yep number four you michigan went state. with michigan state and number mm-hmm. five with the hideous maryland terrapin <laughs> uniform so you didn't like my bookends but the stuff in the, yeah, the, the, the creamy middles was, was good okay, the creamy middles was good. yeah there you go now okay. my went, uh, my number one pick was ohio state uh second pick was iowa Third, Wisconsin. Fourth, Penn State, and I wrapped it up with uh, with Minnesota. And so. let's let's do the other four. I'm going to say Nebraska, okay, yep. IU, Northwestern, Rutgers. Is that yeah? Fair? Rutgers to me, they're just blah. Sorry, Rutgers. Yeah, they just look <laughs> like jerseys out of like the early 1990s that just have yeah. no real kind of. I'm gonna yeah. say I'm gonna say Nebraska, IU, Northwestern, Rutgers is a final four ranking. Northwestern's had uh, so many different combinations over the years, but I I don't know they're. The ones they wore against Illinois in December, like the Gaelic script and mm, the black. Those they're are all, different. They're different. Those are different. <laughs> yeah. They just they don't have kind of that one look that you no. can. And I just don't like purple all that much either. So A lot of people don't. Go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, Colin. Uh, you want to do this again next week? Sounds like a plan. We'll come up with uh, another way to, to anger fan bases <laughs> throughout the Big Ten. <laughs> all right. Have a good week, everyone. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Inside Atlanta Football.